It is amazing to think the extent to which God loves us. His expression of love on the cross as we've looked at as Oregon read the passage from Philippians chapter 2, which we'll look at in a moment. The songs we've just sing, the love of God, what we'll be celebrating shortly as we remember the amazing grace of God's to of God to us. Now, and isn't it at least theoretically to say, Oh, I love God, it's easy to love God. Isn't he intimately isn't he eminently worthy of our love and affection? And I'll be a little interactive this morning. Isn't isn't God easy to love? He bestows sunshine upon us and rain. He, he is kind to us. He's cleansed us. He's washed us. And he's worthy of our love and our affection. But when we stop and we look around at the people that God joins us with, sometimes love's not quite so easy. It can be a little challenging. That's why in Romans chapter 12, our text today, as a matter of fact, it's going to be a very concise text today. It's Romans chapter 12, verse 9. If you'll open your Bibles to actually 9 and 10 if you'll open your bibles to romans 12 9 and 10 we're going to put we'll read verse 9 and verse 10 we'll put them on the screen so you can follow along and this is really our text that we started last week but after he has told us to remember the mercies of god and to present our bodies as living sacrifices holy and acceptable unto god set apart seeking to please god after he told us to be cautious, the world's going to continue to conform us to the image of the world. You need to be transformed. You need to be conformed to the image of God's Son so that we may do those things that are good and perfect, that are in accordance with his will. He told us about the different giftedness and the different passions that we have so that he has guided us to work together and to serve together. And he's warned us against arrogance. He's warned us against pride. Let no man think higher of himself than he ought to think and we value one another we're going to come back to that more today but now that's our focus he turns us to how we are to love one another how we are to care for one another one of the marks of a true Christian as we saw last week was genuine love and so Romans 12 verse 9 and 10 let love be genuine other translations say without dissimulation without hypocrisy let your love be genuine Abhor, hardest word for, for hatred in the Greek language. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. And that's the phrase that we're going to focus on this morning. Outdoing one another in showing honor. Now when we looked at love, we looked at agape love. The love that God has for us. The love that Christ bestowed upon us. The love that is unconditional it's unearned I need you guys eyes up here please unconditional unearned it's love that flows from the character of the one who is loving it is love that is sacrificial and love that is giving it is love that that is what Christ showed us on the cross of Calvary when while we were yet sinners and while we were still enemies Christ died for us we're to love each other with that kind of love and sometimes that seems just kind of too far to reach we realize that God loves us that way so we can love others that way we're called to love others that way but in the context of church there's also phileo love agape love and phileo love and storge love if you will remember it is familial love brotherly affection warm and caring love 
affectionate and warm and we can love one another with the power of Christ that's in us and we can be family and we can have all the commitments to relationships that families have and yet honor sometimes goes by the wayside when we've got all these three different words for love but then we come why is honor in here and what does that mean and that's what our focus is going to be for these few moments this morning so if you'll join me again in a word of prayer we'll pray that God will speak to our hearts Father, I want to thank you for the love that you have bestowed upon us, the love that we've sung about, the love that we've read about already this morning. And I pray that as we look into your word, as we reflect upon your truth, that first of all, you will grasp and hold our attention, that we'll set our minds upon you. We'll pay attention to the things that you would speak to our hearts today through your Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, that we won't read into Scripture the things we want it to say or the things that we would like it to say, but we will listen to what you say, what you have said, what is truth and eternal truth and how we're to apply it in our hearts and in our lives in the context of a local church. I pray, Father, that you will move among us, that we will never forget the grace that you have bestowed upon us. And for those here who may not have experienced your grace, have not experienced your your salvation, your forgiveness, your washing, your cleansing, your life. I pray, Father, that you will convict this morning and convince of sin and righteousness and judgment. I pray, Father, that you will open eyes, that you will draw hearts, that you will change lives and give new life. Father, we love you. We thank you for the power of your word, for the power of your Holy Spirit, for your power that works mightily within us to both the will and to do according to your good pleasure. It is in your name I pray these things. Amen. I went to a funeral yesterday, recently, not yesterday, last week, but I've been to several funerals. And I don't know if you guys know this. When I first came to Pendleton Street Baptist Church 20 years ago, we had a membership role that had over 1,000 people on it. Now, we weren't actually having 1,000 people in the church or in the worship services. We're having about a tenth of that. But we had a lot of members who were aged or a lot of members who had moved away, a lot of people who were on the roll that we had lost contact with, and many of them were, were older. One of the things that the, the pastor search team that called me said, you need to be prepared to do funerals. People die here. And I looked at the roll, and there were so many 80 and 90 years old. I'm like, I'm not sure that people do die here. If you want to live, that was one of the jokes for a long time. If you want to live a long time, come and, come and join our congregation. You'll, you're guaranteed a long life. But I have done 429 funerals in the last 20 years of former Pendleton Street Baptist Church members. Of, uh, does that surprise you at all? Do you guys go to a lot of funerals? This is kind of an age thing because younger people and less, maybe family members, but older people, all of a sudden, it's your peers, and yes, you tend to increase. A few at the beginning of the year. In January, I went to a funeral, and I was talking to a family member. After the funeral was over, we were standing by graveside. It was cold. The wind was blowing. We were in overcoats and hats. I had a scarf on and gloves, shivering. And he came up to me, and he said, I, I want you to know that what you said about this individual was true but it's not the whole story they're not quite as good as you said they were uh, when do we typically show the most honor for people it's a lot of times we show honor for people when we bury them 
That's when we talk about how good they were. And the things that irritated us, the things that used to be at the forefront of our mind, the things that we didn't like so much, we kind of bury that with the person that we're burying, interred with their bones if you're into Shakespeare. But we hold on to and lift up the good things about them. Honor is to speak well and to feel well and to respect someone. The Greek word is time, T-I-M, Ada, T-I-M, long E, time. And it speaks of value. When the Bible talks about value and it uses this word, it can mean the actual cost of something. In Acts 7.16, it talks about the sum or the cost, the value, the time that for the tomb that Abraham bought for, for Sarah. It can speak of a more abstract value. Paul says, I count my life of no value. Same word. So it, it's worth or value. But mostly this word focuses upon people and how we're to honor people. And we're going to look at these commands, but um, I, we are called to honor one another. Matter of fact, we're called in this text to outdo one another in showing honor before the funeral, if you will, while they live, while we live in a relationship with one another. And it's used in a lot of different places. I'm going to throw some of these out. First Timothy chapter 5, honor widows who are wi- really widows. You remember Paul's instruction to Timothy as they were organizing the church there. In Acts chapter 28, Paul's telling about his trip to Rome to be heard before Caesar, and they got waylaid. They went by the island of Malta, and while they're on Malta, you guys remember the story of the fire being burnt and the snake coming out and biting Paul on the hand, and they were expecting him to blow up and die, and he never did, and they said, oh, wow, there's something miraculous going on here. Well, in that same setting, while he was there, he ministered to people who were there And as they were leaving, he says, they bestowed much honor upon us. And he describes that as the way they cared for them, the way they respected them, the way they provided food, and the way they even carried their baggage onto the ship. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 19, when Jesus is talking to the rich young ruler, he is reiterating some of the Ten Commandments. What is one of the Ten Commandments about fathers and mothers? Honor. You shall honor your father. And mother, this is, the first, this is a commandment with promise that your days may be long upon the earth. So he's reciting those commands. And so we're to outdo one another in showing honor. We'll explore a little bit about what that means. But for those of you who are taking notes, and I would encourage you to just to remind us to emphasize some of the applications for this text. We need to appreciate the value that others bring to Christ's body we need to appreciate the value the worth the good that others bring to the body of Christ we need to value one another to recognize the value of one another now there's some pretty rough context for honor in the New Testament Peter the apostle of Christ the preacher at Pentecost Peter later wrote letters to the churches, and in 1 Peter, the first letter that we have that he wrote, he's talking about submission to authority. That's a lovely subject, isn't it? But here's what he says in 1 Peter chapter 2. He says uh, in, in verse 7, matter of fact, let me, let's look it up just to give it context. 1 Peter chapter 2. He's writing about authority and submission to authority. Starting in verse 13, he says, I want you to be subject 
for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Just listen, if you're not, if you're not turning, just listen. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. And here's the exhortation. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover for evil, but living as servants of God. In verse 17, he sums all that up by saying, honor everyone love the brotherhood fear god honor the emperor honor everyone love the brotherhood fear god honor everyone and this honor is respect it is esteem it is putting others ahead of yourself and before yourself and when i read this passage it brings to mind a few things that i think are pretty important what if you look at one somebody else in the congregation, somebody else in the church family, you say, well, they haven't earned my respect. They haven't earned my honor. I, I'll love them. I'll love them as Christ loves them. I won't work evil against them. I'll, I will help. But I'm not going to give them, I'm not going to recognize value. I'm not going to esteem them. I'm not going to lift them up because I've got to earn it before I can. Well, do you know who was emperor when Peter wrote that you're to honor the emperor? Yeah. Okay, you do. That's great. Nero. You guys know anything about Nero? Nero was a, was a horrible man. And I'm not going to tell you what all he did, but I will tell you that he, he would set Christians alight on fire and kill them. He persecuted Christians and others. He was a horrible one. And yet the command here, and this is what the scripture says. It's not what we want it to say. It's not what we can make it say. It says that we're to honor him. They were to honor him. So the honor that we are to give, the teme, the esteem, the respect that we're to give is not conditional. When we are called to love one another and we're called to join our lives together as brothers and sisters in Christ, and we're called to serve alongside of one another. There has to be in our hearts, welling up within us, something where we make the determination, the commitment by the power of God that is working within us, that for God's glory and for us to live in unity and to live in peace, for us to demonstrate the love of God so that the world knows by our example that God is real and that his love can do what nothing else can do, we're to love one another, be affectionate toward one another, be warm toward one another. We're to honor one another and value and esteem one another. Last week, we talked about three practical ways. We're going to talk about another one in just a moment. But it means that we, we, we hold each other in high esteem and we value one another. When we talk about earning respect or earning value, when the Apostle Paul was in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talking about the different parts of the body, he says, some of you are like an eye in a body, and some of you are like a hand, some of you are like a foot, some of you are like a knee. You have a different shape, you have a different form, you've been created differently. You have a different function, you're designed to work and to make the body strong by your use in this area, while somebody else has this function over here, and somebody else has that function over there. And we tend to honor the ones that are most visible. We like to honor those who lead us in singing, and we like to honor those who play instruments. We like to honor those who will speak or those who teach in the front of the classroom or those who stand up and lead. 
those out front. We tend to think some of those gifts are worthy of the higher honor. Look at that person. Look at that person. Easy to honor and easier to honor and respect overall. But what about the less attractive? What about the underlying? What about the less visible? What about the things that we would normally say as part of our body? These are for dishonor. They need to be hidden. And yet, they serve a role and they serve a function. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that God has given them the greater honor. And he's calling us to give honor equally and even greater for the weaker parts of the body so that God is glorified. And so honor is a command. Respect is a command. Esteem, valuing one another as brothers and sisters in Christ is a command. And I will tell you, the challenge with that a lot of times is that we know each other too well, don't we? I will tell you this, that I, I, I was a great, Suzanne knew that I was a great guy when she married me. Isn't that right? Honey, I want an amen or a wave of the hand or something back there. I just knew I was a great guy when she married me. But if you were to ask her a year after we got married, was I what she thought I was when we got married? I'd rather you not, frankly. Granted, some of those things may have been true. They weren't false. They weren't deception. But you know what familiarity does. Familiarity actually dispenses to a great extent with grace and patience, right? Familiarity breeds contempt in some areas. We get too familiar with one another. You know what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13 when he went back to Nazareth to preach? He said, a prophet is received with honor everywhere except for two places, in his hometown and in his own household. And sometimes we lose the impetus to honor. I will never forget the first time I went to a conference with my dad. My dad was just my dad, Luther Price. I mean, you know, He's just dad. We ate meals together. We did stuff together. He was just dad. And then we went to a conference, and dad was preaching. And again, to me, he's just dad. He's preaching. That's what dad does. After the conference, I had a man come up to me, a friend of dad's. He said, I want to tell you something that you may not be aware of. He said, your dad, God has used your dad to change my life radically, to shape the direction of my life to rescue me from issues he said i will never ever ever be ungrateful or forget what your dad has done for me and i'm thinking it's just dad it's just dad and i began to realize hey you can we must make the effort and the intentionality to honor esteem and value even when there's familiarity and familial relationships does that make sense honor esteem and value not earned but because they are a child of God because they are one for whom Christ died we need to learn to view one another as God does and frankly none of us are the finished product all of us are continuing to be shaped and conformed to the image of God so how do we honor one another well one of the ways that repeatedly comes up in scripture is that we intentionally care for and care about one another so how do we honor one another? The second point on your outline, if you're taking notes, we need to make the determination to see one another as valuable, as more important, more significant than ourselves, and then intentionally care for and care about one another. It's really pretty simple. It is to treat them with respect and to work toward building up one another rather than 
tearing one another down rather than patience is good endurance is good but we're called to actually exalt one another and to build one another up Paul writing this same message to the Christians at Thessalonica says that honor is not passive in 1 Thessalonians 5:11 in the context that the Lord is coming soon and we've got work to do and we need to work together and because we've been saved we therefore 5:11 therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing we ask you brothers to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you esteem them highly in love because of their work be at peace among yourselves we're working toward unity and harmony here but not everyone is serving the Lord not everyone is growing in the Lord and some people are struggling or having a hard time do we just ignore those people no verse 14 we urge you brothers admonish the idle encourage the faint-hearted help the weak be patient with them all See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone rejoice always. It means simply that we care enough to, to gain credibility enough from our care and the respect of others that we're willing to come alongside of them. In this context, the Lord is coming back. We are his body on earth fulfilling his mission, the work he began. What we do is important. How we do it is important. I was reminded this week that there are two things that are in our control every single day. Two, two determinations, two things you need to evaluate every single day. One is your effort and the other is your attitude. One is your effort. Are you in it? Are you rolling up your sleeves? Are you willing to work and be zealous? Are you willing to serve as God would have us serve, serve as God has served us, serve those around us so that they may see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven? Are you willing to come early? Are you willing to stay late? Are you willing to go the extra mile? Are you willing to be sacrificial here for the glory of God? Are you willing to put in the effort to be conformed to the image of His Son, to read the daily Bible reading, to read your devotion, to get into the Word of God, to meditate upon the Word of God, that He conforms your character? Effort. You get to determine effort. Hard sometimes, isn't it? I have a recliner at home. I like my recliner. As a matter of fact, again, one of those things I'd rather you not ask Suzanne about, but typically when I come in the house, my first stop, well, my second stop, is the recliner. Here's the danger of the recliner. Once I get in, it is hard to get out. I need to make sure that I do whatever I need to do before I get seated because it's almost like something just takes the energy right out of me. It actually takes the motivation right out of me. And, uh, and so if I haven't done what I need to do before I get sat down, it's likely that it's not going to get done in the next hour at least. All right. It is so easy to settle and so easy to get up and so easy to be distracted that we get to monitor our effort and we are called to be zealous. That's next week's sermon. I'm not going to preach it now. But here's the second thing that you need to monitor. You need to monitor your attitude. How do you serve? We know that we serve. How do you serve? We're to serve with humility, thinking not higher of ourselves than we are. We're to serve honoring one another and, 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 and setting others' needs as more important than our own. The attitude that we have in this text is love and honor. And Paul gives this same exhortation to every church that he started, to every church he taught in, every church he ministered in, everyone. We could go book to book. 
We could go letter to letter, and I can show you, tell you and read to you passages again and again and again where he's saying love one another, honor one another, pray for one another, respect one another, serve one another, care for one another. But I do want us to look at one, and this is going to be our final text that we're going to look at this morning, and it's in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 3. I want us to just read verses 3 through 8. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. The Apostle Paul is telling these people of the importance of unity and harmony, of the importance of God being glorified in the life of the church and what that means and what that looks like. And so he says in verse 3, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility, there's the attitude that reigns, uh, nothing from ambition or conceit. In, in humility, there's the, there's the attitude that reigns. Count others as more significant, more important. Put others first. You know what it means to honor? You guys, does anybody here play golf? Nobody in the room. Okay, all right, we got a few people that play golf. Let me give you a brief golf lesson, or at least golf etiquette lesson. When you play a hole, and let's say it's a par four, and you have somebody who pars, that means they get the ball in in four strokes. And then you have somebody that bogeys, they would get it in in five. You have somebody that double bogeys, they would get it in in six. And then you'd have me, it'd be nine or ten. When you come to the next tea box the person who did the best last time around gets honors he gets to go first the person who did best last time around they get honors on the tea box they get to go first honors is a simple silly way of illustrating what it means to honor one another in a practical way you first your needs first your 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 service first i'm going to place you in my thoughts ahead of me he says do nothing from ambition or conceit but in humility count others as first as more significant than yourself verse 4 let each of you look not to his own interest but also to the interest of others it's really interesting the word interest in that text is actually not there in the greek that's a add-on to help us understand the context he's saying you should be interested in the others and you get to fill in the blank the others health the others welfare the others spiritual growth the others need the others finances the others area training equipping be the others but not only yourself your own but to their interest first have this mind among you which is yours in christ jesus who though he was in the form of god did not count equality with god a thing to be grasped and i want to pause right there to set the stage for this. Paul's telling this church, it matters. That you love one another, that you care for one another, it matters. It matters for the glory of God. It matters for the testimony of God. It matters for what's going on in your own heart as you're conformed to the image of God. And so it matters so much, Paul does not give them three easy steps or seven ways to think or three things that you need to focus on this week. Paul goes to theology. Paul points them to the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we esteem and honor one another appropriately? We do it by remembering what Christ has done for us. As a matter of fact, 
if you're filling in your blanks on your outline, the third blank on your outline is we can do this by remembering the grace that we've received. Remembering the grace that we've received from God. Again, what does he say? We're to have the same mind, the same attitude which Christ had, which, was, which is ours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Here's what you need to know that he's saying about Jesus. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Remember the grace you have received. Remember The third point is remember the grace you have received. What is that grace? It is that God himself, Jesus, the third person of the Godhead equal in every way fully God did not hold on to that verse 7 but he made himself nothing he took the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on the cross Phillips interprets this phrase he did not cling to his prerogatives as God's equal he could have said I'm the king of kings I'm the lord of lords I'm the God who created the heavens and the earth nothing was created without me and I am worthy of your honor and he is totally and completely and I am worthy of all the uh, uh, accolades I'm worthy of all the respect I am I am worthy I alone am worthy and that is true and yet because of his love he emptied himself of that. He didn't hold on to that. He released that. He humbled himself. Greek word kenosis. He emptied himself. He laid aside his rights. He made himself nothing. Or if you will, he stripped himself of all of his godly and divine privilege. And how did he demonstrate this humility? He became a man. He became in appearance as man. He took on the form of man. He became fully and totally man. He hungered. When he was fatigued, he was tired, and when he needed, he slept. He felt the wind and the weather. He was fully man, completely man, and completely God. And he did so in order to serve. This is interesting. How did he do this? He emptied himself, he stripped himself of privilege, and he became a servant. He served God, he became one who was obedient. And he served men. He served us. John 13 is probably the best example of that, if I can kind of spell that out for you. You guys remember what happened in John 13? Jesus was preparing his disciples for his departure. This is Jesus. This is the King of kings. This is the Lord of lords. And he's preparing himself, the disciples, for his departure. And they're in the upper room. And they've gotten there. And they've been walking down a dusty trail. And nobody washed their feet. And Jesus gets up from the table and he lays aside his outer robe. He takes a towel and he wraps it around his waist. And he gets a bowl or whatever instruments were used of the day. And he knelt down before the disciples' feet. And he began to wash their feet. He began to wash their feet. All right, let, let me get your attention back here. When I was pastor of the Deaf Church some years ago, we had what we called a Monday Thursday service. And we had a Good Friday service. We did not have a service on Black Saturday, but we did have a resurrection service on Sunday morning. And just in case you're wondering, yes, it was at sunrise, and yes, it was outside. Wouldn't that be a great thing to do again this year? 
I'm looking. All right. But in our Monday, Thursday service, as we were preparing people, we had all of the people sit. We went into an old unused building over at the Han building, and we had our people gather around in chairs, and we brought out bowls, wash pails. And we asked people to wash one another's feet. Have you ever been in a service like that? It is hard for us to come up to someone and kneel before him. Zion, you're the guy. (laughs) Take a bowl, take off his socks and take off his shoes and wash his feet. Do you see the humbling position here? Now, let me ask you a question. How do you feel about me being at your feet? Okay. Not too bad one way or the other. It might be worse if I actually took off your shoes. I won't do that. But I want you to understand what Christ did. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the King of Glory took on flesh. He took the water that he made and put it in a bowl. And he served the disciples by washing their feet. And then what does he tell them to do? He tells them, you do the same thing. Do you see when I say that we ought to honor one another, we ought to esteem one another, and it doesn't have to be earned. It needs to be unconditional. It needs to be an expression of grace. Do you know how we can do that? We can do that because God has done that for us. He humbled himself to death, to the death on a cross that we might have life, everlasting life, that we might be made new. Do you ever think of the fact that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords served you? That he honored you with his death and with his burial and with his resurrection. And having received such honor, we are able to love one another well. Amen? Can we love one another well? We can love one another wisely according to Scripture. We will do that more fully as we study through Romans chapter 12. And this is an area that we're all continually growing in. Now, I do want to share with you something I think is very important. As a congregation, we've come together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And I've had several people say, I'm interested in becoming a member. I want to know what it takes to be a member of this church and to join you in the task that God has given to you. Well, this morning... We have copies of what we believe God expects from members of this congregation. And so what we invite everyone to do is to come to a class. We call it a Membership Matters class. And really, it's worthwhile. It tells you about the history and how God has worked in this congregation through the years. But it also tells you what it means to affirm your testimony, what it means to be saved, what it means to be washed, forgiven, and made new. And it also... By the way, it tells you what we expect because a lot of times people join churches where there are no expectations. You need to understand that we are, we're on a mission. We have a purpose given for us from God. And so there's a, there are covenants, agreements that we make. And we do this so that we know what to expect. We do this so that we know that we're consistently not wavering from what God has called us to do and what God has called us to be. And so I would like for us now 
Those of you who are members of this congregation, certainly, but, but I'd certainly invite the, the congregation to read along as we read our church covenant together. And as we do, I want you to look at the sections particularly that deal with unity and peace and love. Would you join me in reading the church covenant? Having been led as we believe by the Spirit of God to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and on the profession of our faith, having been baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we do now in the presence of God and in this assembly most solemnly and joyfully enter into covenant with one another as one body in Christ. We affirm and embrace the mission and values that God has given West End Baptist Church. We will work and pray for the unity of the Holy Spirit in the bond of peace and to practice brotherly love in our relationships. We will pursue God's continual work of sanctification in our lives. We will use our gifts and resources for the glory of God and the common good of the church. We will engage in good works and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ at home and around the world. We moreover engage that if we remove from this place, we will as soon as possible Unite with some other church where we can carry out the spirit of this covenant and the principles of God's word. 